Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Pacers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Tom Lewis of IndieCornrows.com. Here to get the latest news and notes about the Indiana Pacers. And on this episode, we will check in with the Pacers as they prepare to play the New York Knicks in New York on Tuesday evening with a blizzard forecast for NYC. Pacers are hoping to get in, get a W, and get out because they have to play the Charlotte Hornets back at the Fieldhouse on Wednesday night. So we'll be checking the radar on that one. Also, we will check back in with Jermaine O'Neal on his visit to the Fieldhouse Sunday evening and his extended comments prior to the game as he touched on several issues that were of interest. And I wanted to share my thoughts on some of the things he shared with the media. But before we dive in, a reminder to hit me up with any comments or questions via email at IndyCornrows at gmail.com or on Twitter at IndyCornrows. Okay, so the Pacers practice at the Fieldhouse on Monday before heading out to New York. And Nate McMillan and a few other players spoke after practice. McMillan mentioned you know, how happy he was to get a win on Sunday against the Heat, uh, a team that's kind of had their number and you know it wasn't perfect. And at this point, not really concerned about being perfect. Obviously, they had rebounding issues, but he was pretty happy with the offense overall. And, of course, getting the win. And, again, he mentioned the Knicks. Also, he said a team that plays well against the Pacers, beating them already once this year. So they're going to have to come out and be sharp and play a 48-minute game, of course. Uh, that's good coach speak there. Perfect coach speak. But as far as the storm... He said, you know, the organization is preparing for all situations because they're predicting potentially, you know, high teen in the snowfall amounts and it's going to be snowing throughout the day, of course. So there's potential the game could be canceled in New York or if not canceled, Pacers play, they may be stuck in New York. And that's a problem when you're trying to get the back-to-back game played against Charlotte on that Wednesday. So the Pacers do have three full off days after playing Charlotte on the schedule. Of course, then they have a rough back-to-back on Sunday and Monday. But obviously, I don't know what Charlotte's schedule is. They played the Bulls on Monday. So I would assume they would have some time. Actually, I'm pulling up the schedule right now as we speak. So, um, because those Three off days might 
give the Pacers a chance to reschedule, but they wouldn't be able to play in Indy because the NCAA uh, tournament is going to be at the Fieldhouse. Uh, but the Hornets do have off Friday and Thursday. So it would be interesting to see if the Pacers could potentially cobble together a home game at, I don't know, down in Bloomington. We know that uh, IU isn't using it because of the NIT. Uh, they wouldn't even play their NIT game there. So maybe they could play in Bloomington or up at West Lafayette. Uh, somewhere, maybe they go back to the old field house at the fairgrounds, although that arena is not quite uh, NBA size right now. I think it uh, only holds around, I don't know, seven, 8,000 uh, in there. But anyways, that would be interesting. Uh, but there is a little gap in the schedule for both teams, so uh, we'll see how the travel arrangements go. I'm assuming the Hornets will be flying into Indy on Tuesday afternoon since they have the off day before the game while the Pacers are in New York. So Anyways, contingency plans are certainly being prepared, and we'll see how it all works out. But the Pacers are in New York, so uh, snow's going to be falling overnight. They're not going anywhere, so hopefully they at least get the game in there at the Garden and then uh, deal with the next issue after that. Obviously, you know, they just need to get out of town, uh, and then they'll be uh, good to go because it's the weather in Indy isn't going to be nearly as bad. So as for the game against the Knicks, uh, Paul George talked about uh, you know, still having to face a team that has playmakers with Porzingis and Carmelo Anthony and that you know they just have to match that playmaking. And as a group, the Pacers really need to be more aggressive and take it to the Knicks when they get the opportunity. And he was asked about C.J. Miles and how he... Seems to be getting more comfortable, more consistent now that he is settled into that starting lineup. And PG said that one thing that helps CJ is that with the starting unit, they're able to create offensive opportunities for him, especially he and Jeff Teague, as opposed to when he's coming off the bench and kind of has to create his own opportunities a little bit more. And now he knows, you know, he'll get his shots when he's in the spots and defenses do certain things. So uh, they're getting a little more fine-tuned as a unit, and that's helping CJ get a little more consistent. And Miles Turner also spoke, and he went through practice with a pretty heavy wrap bandage on his right index finger, uh, kind of more on his knuckle, but said that late in the game against Miami, he jammed it, and while it looked pretty cumbersome, uh, he felt that it wasn't going to be a problem, and he had no concerns being ready to play the Knicks on Tuesday. So hopefully that's the case, and hopefully it doesn't alter his shot too much. Uh, it's kind of in a bad spot, it seems like, but he didn't seem to be concerned. So Pacers will have a starting five, potentially, uh, minus two shooting hands with uh, Thad Young still getting treatment for his wrist and still not shooting the ball real cleanly. And then Miles Turner potentially having a, a big wrap uh, on it. Hopefully that was just more of a precautionary wrap to get him through practice without any further damage. And he'll have a little uh, less heavy bandaging uh, for that thing at game time on Tuesday night. Turner also talked about kind of coming out of a little slump 
And as much as you could tell on his face that he hated to admit it, uh, he did admit that he was in a little bit of a slump. And it really helped him to get going early in that game against Miami and uh, have a game like that. So hopefully he's over that stretch. And, of course, he's 20 years old, as we've said on this podcast many times. And there are issues that when you rely on heavily on a 20-year-old. But he did say that a little early in the season, he was really worn down and tired, but feeling a lot better lately. And, and now with, uh, you know, life in the tunnel and the playoffs coming in and the importance of all these games, that being tired is certainly not an issue. So hopefully that is the case on Tuesday when the Pacers take on the Knicks. Okay, now I want to move the discussion to Jermaine O'Neal real quickly. I know talking about those early 2000 teams and, and some of the bad things that happened with the brawl and all that other stuff is not any fun, believe me. Been through it quite a bit. Um, actually, the brawl is not nearly the worst part uh, of talking about some of those teams. Uh, but I thought Jermaine O'Neal was uh, real interesting in his comments uh, before the game on Sunday night when the Pacers honored the 2000 uh, team of the or the decade of the 2000s. And obviously, Jermaine O'Neal was the best player uh, among that group. And he also was always. Uh, a guy during his playing career that, you know, received an award for being great with the media, and you can see where he got that. I mean, the guy can talk. Uh, now, I don't know uh, how much you can believe or how much you, you want to believe. Uh, he certainly spoke uh, sincerely, and I think there's a lot of uh, topics intertwined uh, with J.O.'s time with the Pacers and going through issues with the brawl and the fallout for the organization and everything that, from his perspective, obviously altered his career and, as he said, altered his relationship with the city and the team and the fans and, you know, bums him out. And I don't think that any of that is nothing but sincere from J.O. And I thought he really says that he doesn't like talking about the brawl uh, didn't want to talk about in the past because the conversation always seemed to be the same. And, you know, he talked about the highlights of the brawl always being the same. Uh, but really, he wants to have a chance at some point to give his perspective and a perspective that uh, shines a different angle on the story and gives you an angle from the perspective of not only the players, but the organization, the city, uh, you know, obviously he feels that Indiana, the, the Pacers and the city were unfairly damaged throughout the whole thing, especially compared to the Pistons, who saw little to any impact um, on their organization, actually went on to win championship. And um, the Pacers took several years to recover. Now, I would argue that there were a few other instances or incidents not involving J.O., but other players that exasperated that uh, recovery period. But uh, there's no doubt that the team took the biggest hit. And that that team, which he felt that at the time was going to be competing for championships for several years, uh, and he being one of the youngest players on that team, was going to be in position uh, to go into his prime years and be competing every year for a championship and all that just crumbled away, you know, so 
Obviously, uh, his career didn't end up the way he had hoped. Uh, a lot of injuries, a lot of other issues, and again, those are things that have nothing to do with the brawl <laughs> and how you know he handled those things and his eventual departure uh, from the Pacers and, and you know struggling to get on the floor and play. But I do believe he has a sincere love for the Pacers, as he mentioned. You know he'll be over you know overseas somewhere, and um, I think he mentioned Dubai, and people you know recognize him as an Indiana Pacer and you know a lot of people think that's the team that drafted him and he you know is always grateful for the opportunity he got at age 20 and how the team helped develop him develop his game develop him as a man and, and all of that and I think he you know is very sincere when he's talking about that he you know loved the family feel of the organization and had, you know, was there with Al Harrington and Jeff Foster, two guys he kind of came up with in the organization and, you know, really seemed to enjoy in, engaging with them and, and talked about how, you know, his group, some of those guys need to stay connected with one another as they get older and stay connected to the organization but he really went on again about the brawl, and, and this came kind of on the heels of a, a question about uh, meeting his father uh, at age 30 for the first time. Um, and, you know, he kind of mentioned how, you know, not having that father was difficult, and, and he struggled to deal with problems and anger when he was younger. Um, and that kind of leaked into uh, discussion of the brawl and the ramifications, and, you know, why, you know, he never talked about it, but he, he did say that he's working on a movie about the brawl from his perspective, from the team perspective that he said a lot of people don't know anything about, uh, a lot of the issues, a lot of the stories uh, that they can present. Uh, he talked about, kind of said, does anybody realize that I won a case in federal court? Uh, which everybody's like, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, remember, yes, he won an appeal. It was upheld in the federal court against the NBA, but um, obviously that never did get the amount of publicity that the actual event at the, at the palace did. Um, but, you know, beating the NBA in federal court and everything that went into that part of his story, and one thing that, you know, he mentioned was a lot of the footage from that brawl and how there's always, you know, the same highlights or <laughs> whatever you want to call them, lowlights of uh, the brawl are shown. But as he said, there were 26 cameras in rolling in the palace at that time. There's a lot of other, there's a lot of different angles and he intimated that that was part of the case for ending his suspension. We're seeing some of that. Uh, video and, and seeing things from different angles and different things that happened that people hadn't seen. Now that would definitely be interesting. I would dial dial that thing up in a hurry. Uh, he mentioned that, you know, working through some approvals on footage and <laughs> I think that may be where this film ends. I, I can't imagine that uh, the NBA is, <laughs> is ever going to green light uh, the footage that would, you know, just kind of open up that whole ordeal again, you know, let alone cast the league in a worse light for how they handle things uh, as much as we may want to see it. And as much as it sounds like J.O. wants to get that uh, movie done, you know, maybe he 
And, you know, claim to have a, a director that is working on something. So maybe they put something together, even regardless of, of the footage. But it would be interesting uh, to see things uh, a little bit differently. And then, you know, get that, that player perspective on uh, on everything. And, and as he said, you know, m- emphasize more uh, of the impact on the team, on the city uh, that lingered and hampered the image of the city, the image of the people, the fans, uh, let alone the players. Really an untold story that no one seems to care about just because you can't run up in the stands and hit a fan. And that's what started it all. So um, all that fallout is, you know, comes from the same spot regardless. But uh, J.O. seems sincere in, in wanting to, you know, improve his image and relationship with the Pacers and took a big step. I believe, in doing so on Sunday uh, when he showed up and put himself out there. And really, the fans responded, great response again, as I mentioned yesterday, uh, when he took the court and was announced with a few other players uh, to celebrate that decade of the 2000s. So one other quick point about J.O., he also mentioned that he is planning to work out with Miles Turner, the two kind of swap tweets uh, a month month or so ago about that. And uh, he said he definitely wants to help uh, Miles and has enjoyed helping some younger players uh, do things and that he feels, you know, with the way Turner shoots a three already and uh, all his skill level, that if he can add that post game, uh, he really is going to be one of the elite bigs in the game. And, you know, honestly, that is a fact because there are just those times that, you know, continue to pop up where he gets the ball and just kind of burps it up uh, without a plan. And uh, if he can refine that part of his game, it's going to be fun to watch develop at the fieldhouse. That is for sure. So so let's hope that that match with Turner and J.O. produces some great results for the future. And, you know, let's hope the Pacers are able to play and beat the Knicks on Tuesday night and get out of town without extended travel delays so they can, uh, you know, give an honest effort against the Hornets on Wednesday night. That's another big game, especially at home. they got to keep taking care of that home court. Uh, These games are just too important now. So thanks for listening, and again, please share your thoughts on what J.O. had to say or current state of the team, what's going on in New York. You can reach me via email at IndyCornrows at gmail.com or on Twitter at IndyCornrows. And you can find the podcast on audioboom.com. Also, subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Google Play, where all prior episodes are available. And that's all for now. You've been listening to Locked On Pacers on the Locked On Podcast Network. You got it. <laughs>